Good afternoon and a warm welcome to our Business Bus Outlook session. My name is Robert Johansson and uh, I will be your moderator during this session today on ChatGPT. We are still grasping the concept and understanding of how ChatGPT is impacting the way we're doing business in 2023. ChatGPT is the fastest growing app in history, but how will it affect your business and how can you prepare your organization for the future? To get some answers to these tricky questions, we have a highly knowledgeable and experienced AI expert joining us. It's Lasse Rohjainen. He's a renowned speaker and best-selling author. He specializes in artificial intelligence and the metaverse. He provides vital insights for businesses to leverage AI and chat GPT opportunities. With keynotes in 18-plus countries, Lasse's speeches um, span tourism, education, industrial services, banking, and professional services. Collaborations with Microsoft and appearances at Mobile World Capital and TEDx demonstrate his expertise. As an author, his notable books include Artificial Intelligence, 101 Things You Must Know Today About Our Future and The Future of Higher Education, How Emerging Technologies Will Change Education Forever. So without further ado, a warm welcome to Lasse Rohjainen. Hi there, Lasse. Thank you so much for inviting me. You are most welcome here because we have a topic today that I think most business owners in the world fear and are quite eager to hear more about. Yeah, being an expert in this topic and, of course, writing the book in 2018 on artificial, artificial intelligence and how it impacts businesses, um, I think we should focus on some, some hard questions today. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's it's a good idea. And as an intro, as you mentioned, I wrote that book uh, many years back. And back then, nobody was kind of like paying attention to AI. And now everybody is, uh, only thing they are talking is AI. So uh, many times these technologies come too fast and we should have like a three-year period just learning how to use it. And then they would come. That would be the perfect scenario. But now we don't have it and we are playing catch up. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's a good description. Um, I think it's impossible to open a, a podcast in this time in any topic, whether or not it's IT experts or financial experts or CEOs or stand-up comedians talking about ChatGPT in, in some sort of a way. Um, and of course, it being uh, the fastest growing app in history, uh, we had a discussion two months ago almost to the date, with a colleague of yours, Gert Lernertz. Uh, and he said, his perspe perspective then, two months ago, was that we are quite far away from a large commercial usage of this tool. Do you share his opinion now, two months later? Um, <clears throat> no, I don't. And I have to say that he has been my big, big inspiration, I first to write my book and then continue my work in this area. So I really respect him. But back then... Um, I think he was more focused on the macro things and not finalize or understanding how uh, significant and revolutionary this tool is. And back then we didn't have the version 4 and we didn't know that, for example, Microsoft will include this tool in every <clears throat> tool they have, for example, Microsoft PowerPoint and, and Word and everything. So for me, this is kind of like a new layer of internet. In other words, if you're not using it, and if you're not building on top of it, you will be out of business and, and you will lose your competitive edge. 
in in few months and and that's happening actually in every industry and the most interesting here is that this is happening in business industries that normally have been safe meaning for example financial industry also other companies are building and launching their chat gpt's bloomberg told last week that they have a uh, gpt which is amazingly good on analyzing any financial information and this will mean that like 80% of financial analysts will probably lose their job all of a sudden even though they would have like a phd of financial information and so on so i think it's a really remarkable time and i think it's difficult for us to see the the huge impact this will have i think so too and it's been really really fast and and um looking at that perspective which industries do you think will be impacted first of all and who will get fired first of all within those companies you start with the tough questions um what industries well industries where we have a lot of repetition and industries where we can teach something to the machine which is repetitive and um so for example financial industry is amazing other industry which will be hugely impacted but the impact will go little by little is educational industry educational industries industry where we haven't have uh, much ai being applied because of the privacy uh, reasons in the europe but now as we are using generative ai and we have access to these kind of tools which are amazing it will start happening i was just in the call with the um, university chain they have 20 different universities in the world and they were thinking how they could use ChatGPT better to be more competitive. So industries, uh, all kinds of industries, I would say, there's no industry that can say that, oh, we are totally safe. So it's more about us, number one, being proactive and spending time to learn how to talk better to computer and, and not being those people who are kind of like thinking, oh, this will not come to my area of interest. But at the same time, I would say that this is also amazing tool to grow your sales, uh, improve your business strategy, because ChatGPT has been trained on every business information out there. It has also read all the business books. So it's, it, it's more knowledgeable than all of us together here in this call. And we should use it, for example, uh, analyzing our strategic decisions or analyzing what kind of new products or services we can now launch to market that were not possible without ChatGPT. So I want to highlight this uh, amazing positive benefits we can also have. Did I under, uh, ask your your other question was who who will be fired? Yes. Or no, you uh, didn't answer that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't I don't know uh, who will be fired, but I do know that a lot of people will be. And according to OpenAI and their research. They say that in Europe and US, more or less 20 or 25% of jobs, current jobs, will have impact. And ChatGPT will, will impact them tremendously. So, for example, mathematicians, translators, everything which is really repetitive will go. Also, uh, administrate. oh, that was interesting. According to Goldman Sachs, administrative work or managerial work, 32% of those works will go away and lawyers the same number was 44 percent so we talk about quite high numbers but again i would say that this tool is now free everybody can use it and it doesn't need to happen to you and your company if you start using it the right way but how should company who maybe has not taken the 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 
right steps already to, to start using it? How should they implement it? And on what level should this start in the hierarchy in the company? Okay. Well, it comes from the management. So management needs to understand that now we live in the area or era of AI. We cannot say that that we are not. So number one, we have to put resources, which is ours and money to it. And basically what it means is we have to get everybody in the uh, company to start using it. Not only like IT people or anything like that. Also remember that whatever you share with ChatGPT, technically, and theoretically goes to the service of OpenAI. So obviously you, not, you will not put your financial uh, information there. Uh, companies like Microsoft and others are creating solutions where you could have your own ChatGPT for your company that you could share um, valuable information that you don't want others to put. But anyhow, what I was saying, everybody should use this. And how? Well, everybody, number one, to get to the normal level. Normal level for me is to understand this is not a search engine. Our brains are wired of using search engines because we have been doing it 20 years. And we go to Google and we type one thing and that's it. And we find our answer. Here, what we write for business usage is not like, give me 400 word article on management. No, we want to give like a paragraph. And that's the big difference here on how we have to use it. So everybody in your organization should write paragraphs. And how, how you come up with the paragraph, if you, you first think how uh, you give it context, where you are now, you give it where you want to go, like objectives, where you want to be, and then you give as much detail as possible. It's the same as you go to the doctor. You just, just don't say, I'm sick. Doctor will ask you as much details as, you, as needed in order to give a good solution. So the same here, think about that AI always with the more data we give, the better. With Google, we never, we just wrote small things. So this is the first level that business users should come to. And my second tip is start in your intranet, a section where your colleagues are sharing best practices. Normally these are prompts because then you don't have to write them. You just copy and paste the best prompts and that's really useful. And then you also share other things like things to take into consideration or how to avoid bias and how to avoid sharing uh, sensitive information. And as a company, you should always also send like email for everybody to remind them not, not share financial information or this kind of sensitive information with ChatGPT. But those are my recommendations to start uh, getting started. Yeah. Have you heard about the, the story about the, the dog that almost died? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I heard one in, in uh, Twitter, yeah. Yeah, um, just to give context to the audience who might not have heard it, there was a dog owner whose dog was um, ill and, and the vet said, well, your dog will probably die, we don't know what it is. So the, the owner took the test results from the tests taken on the dog, ran, through, ran it through ChatGPT, who came up with two potential diagnoses, and the vet started one treatment and the dog is now almost fully recovered. Um, but that would be sort of using it as a diagnostic tool. Um, when could you see that starting to emerge in one treatment of, of people? Yeah, I think it's starting right now. Uh, one Howard doctor, I think, published book this month together with uh, one AI researcher and ChatGPT passed the test that the medical doctors have to pass in, uh, in the US last month. <laughs> so I think it's happening. And, and the main thing here is that doctors, for example, should understand that 
they get better results when they combine critical thinking from human being together from whatever this machine is giving us. Uh, so the same as, as it will help us in, uh, in the medical field, the same goes to your business. For example, the more you give it uh, uh, context and your history and where you want to go, it will give you better and better results. But I think it's already happening. And it's interesting to see people, there's kind of like two different fields. Some are really exciting or using it all the time, getting a lot of results. Some others are like, they know it's important, but they try to avoid it. And I would say, well, this is all about business, but I would say in our society, we will have a lot of implication about this in six months, one year, one year and a half, where a lot of people will be unemployed and not know what to do. And therefore, uh, that's like a societal problem. But in business-wise, I would say there's a lot of anecdotes and amazing success stories already. It's cool. It's It's kind of... It's really cool to be a part of this time, actually, to see it happening. Um, I asked a couple of questions to our audience when we started here. Um, first question was, have you started using ChatGPT in any capacity? And we now have a 60% uh, of the audience saying yes, a 40% saying no. And the other one was, how many of you spend more than 15 minutes on ChatGPT daily? And 11%, 12% say yes. That's a huge growth in, in quite short time of this, this new app. Um, but since we have so many people here wanting to, to pick your brain, let me see there. Let's go into some questions from, from the audience. Um, our first question is from Christian. He says, I studied maths in the early 90s. Already then AI was an interesting, interesting topic. Also the... HW and performance was not good enough. So I wonder why it is such a surprise for business. Many expected it to come a lot earlier. What are your thoughts on this? Well, there's different viewpoints on how you can analyze this. But how I analyze it is I, I see there's traditional AI and then there's generative AI. So, for example, when I wrote the book, we only had traditional AI. And what is traditional AI for companies is that they first need data, then they have to think how I use this data and for what business purpose I create my first AI application. All this process normally takes some months. Uh, it can be half a year, depending. So it takes like time. And we are talking about kind of like middle uh, term uh, or, or long term uh, results. It's also really, really important. And every company should like continue their AI uh, projects. But then all of a sudden, uh, Google uh, researches, like seven years ago, they they found out or they created this thing called transformers, which is one way of deep learning algorithm. And now we have that in inside a tool. So we don't need like company information as such. We just need access and internet to use this tool. And I just want to highlight that that AI, it has its really advanced uh, deep learning algorithm. So don't everybody, like many people say, oh, it's just, dumb and it doesn't know. So it's really, really advanced and we all have access to it. So now we are using two different kind of um, AIs. And uh, the question was like, why it's happening now? So it was, you know, uh, open AI who put all of the resources for the last four years for this particular uh, deep learning algorithm. And that's how they know they 
kind of like were surprised that, wow, this is not working. And from now on, 80% of AI, uh, well, at least in startups, goes to this kind of AI where it's kind of like a tool. Everybody has access to it and it will generate new things. And by the way, this is also really, really significant uh, because now we are generating words and also images soon and already some videos are being created but that will start happening in a few months those videos will be amazing uh, might be bad for some businesses depending on where in which industries you are but for example for medical sector it will be amazing because we will have new medicines created by generative ai uh, in one year and so on plus new materials like plastic similar to plastic but better for the sustainability reasons. So there's so many things that this kind of generative AI can do, plus other tools that we don't even know. So basically it can create like business simulators also in, I don't know when those are coming, but they will be amazing. Where let's say that I myself, I don't know anything about certain industries, but I will use this tool and I will be an expert of that industry because I know what questions I will ask for this machine. Maybe I went too far from the original question, but I wanted to highlight that thing of uh, of generative AI there. Well, you're the expert, so you're you're allowed to say whatever you want to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, second question here from uh, Joanne Rose. Um, I've heard that ChatGPT consumes more power and that is therefore potentially as usage increases contributing to climate change. Should we be raising more awareness about this to encourage more sustainable choices? Uh, yes. So right now uh, experts say that like 20% of anything that's contributing to the uh, uh, climate change is, is coming from the computers that are being used. But at the same time, uh, all that is being optimized and all that is coming down and, and it's possible to do. But it's important to know that after cars and some other things like computers are one of the things that are polluting the most. But that doesn't mean that as a, as a business user, it's kind of like, oh, I don't go to ChatGPT because it's bad for climate change. No, uh, there's a lot of uh, scientists working for so making and finding solutions for that. And I think that's not as big a problem as cars or other things. So I don't think about that. And at the same time, I would say that every climate solution and sustainability program includes AI always. So uh, it's like really positive agent helping us with climate change. Yes. Um, in technology, usually the military is far ahead in development. What do you think is this area in relative, in reality, already many steps ahead without providing the information to the public? Yeah, unfortunately. So again, since this is business podcast, uh, we don't want to go too much of there. But of course, uh, for example, U.S. Um, military and, and, and even Chinese military, what they have been doing and, and so on. So obviously uh, using autonomous uh, weapons, that's one of the big uh, dangers of all of this. When you can use drones and many other things, uh, robots, uh, let's say a robot, by the way, that's an interesting application because right now robots, they are kind of like, okay, but many of them are still dumb and not really good. But when we have a robot with ChatGPT4 integrated into that, that all of a sudden, that's amazing robot and they can do many things. But 
it can also be used for for negative things. So that's why we need, I don't know, uh, international uh, guidelines for what it can be used and what it cannot. cannot. And, and there's also a lot of initiatives in that front. But yeah, obviously, unfortunately, everything what's related to war normally gets a lot of investment and attention. Yeah, of course. And, and kind of getting onto the topic of, of that one, um, needing kind of the regulations from, from governments, what, what are the data protection concerns and why are some countries banning chat GPT? Like, for example, Italy and I heard Germany are discussing the same. The same. I actually live in Spain, um, uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, news just came that uh, any week now Spain could ban ChatGPT. And by the way, so if it happens in your country, what do you do? Don't start crying. Uh, you can always use ChatGPT API. Okay, and there's a lot of YouTube videos how to use that. So that's one thing. And then there are a lot of. Um, chatbots that are almost as good. One of them is called you.com, even though it's not as good, but it's okay. And and what of, one of them is Quora, Quora the, um, this kind of like a network where you can ask questions or website where you can ask questions. They also have an interesting chatbot. So at the end, there's a lot of options, but my country, for example, uh, uh, probably will, will ban it. So why they are doing, European Union has a long history of first banding banning everything saying oh this is really bad and then they start investigating and then they know oh maybe we should allow this anyway so um yeah there's, there's many many political reasons why european union has been doing this it's not that the best strategy to take specifically here because this is like tool that is also helping tremendously and it's democratizing right now a small boy or girl who is 15 years old can start a business from zero just using ChatGPT, and that was never possible uh, in the same way before ChatGPT. So it's also amazingly empowering tool for those people who want to use it. But why it's happening? It's happening because European Union is, that's how they have always been valuing uh, AI. They think that it's better to ban everything and then start analyzing. And well, the, the, the danger, of course, or thinking about the competitive advantages from, from the banks, for example, financial institutions, things like that, that take it in use in a country that hasn't banned it, and which gives, gives them quite a competitive edge towards the, the banks and, and financial institutions from, from countries where it is banned, of course. Yeah, but, but then again, like companies, if they want to go to the next level, let's say banks, they have a lot of financial information. So you'd not, you would not use the interface of ChatGPT. You would create your own. As I said, like Microsoft and other companies are already working for these kind of tools. And that's really the answer because then you would have it kind of like in your own server and the information would not go to uh, Microsoft. So what European Union doesn't want is this thing that we are so dependent on uh uh, American cloud services that all the European information goes to US, which in a part is a good idea. And also there's a Finnish initiative where we would have like a European language model that we would use. I think that's really innovative way that not all, we would not only depend or always depend on these American technologies. So I think that's a good idea as well. Definitely. Um, we have a question from Alexander Novotny um, regarding the, the economic and, and financial 
part here. What is your view on ChatGPT being used for economic and financial analysis? The current performance of ChatGPT is low because ChatGPT lacks real-time market data. Right. But uh, I would first first answer to that is that in any um, week now, they will launch something called plugins. And plugins, and one of these plugins, some of the plugins are created with by other companies and others are created by the same OpenAI. One of these plugins is a plugin that allows you to uh, use uh, current market data and whatever you want. So this... Um, this one, uh, yeah, will find a solution to that problem that it has been trained uh, only uh, to uh, 2021. So I would not be too worried about it. And I would also say that, uh, yeah, it, it's really, really, um, really, really good. And I would start searching, like, what are the best prompts for financial uh, industry analysis? You can use, also use tables. So what I like to do if I'm analyzing something related to finance, I could ask what was the, the last, um, I don't know, analyze the GPT of Finland and Sweden and put me the result in table. So it will create a nice looking table and it has all of those financial information there. So now we cannot ask like what was the result of Nokia last year because we don't have it. But once those plugins start working, we can do that as well. So I would not be too worried about it. And by the way, with that comment, I would say to everybody who's like wondering how to write better prompts, what I have been done is first trying to write as complete prompt myself as possible, giving it a lot of context, giving it a lot of details. And then I go to ChatGPT and I will say, this is my prompt. Please make this prompt more uh, comprehensive and detailed. And at least ChatGPT4 is really good and understanding what I want. And then it will give me much better prompt. And when I put this prompt to ChatGPT, then I create business value really from that answer. So the person who is asking that, uh, that's how you make amazing financial prompts. You you improve and refine the prompts you get from ChatGPT. Thank you. Um, Tina Anderson asks, how can we ensure empathy when using AI? Are there areas where we should definitely not use it? Mm. Well, it's a good idea, a good answer and question. So basically, um, kind of like this idea is that we always have human and AI combination. The problem is that every technology that we will adapt, we will leave some of our human traits and, and, and things away. For example, with mobile phones came, all of a sudden, there was no need to memorize numbers. I don't know any number nowadays if I lose my phone. <laughs> so it's not really nice. Um, so yeah, the idea is that we should create systems uh, where we would highlight more empathy negotiations. For example, Gert Leonard is really good on emphasizing and highlighting this because then we create really powerful companies and really powerful teams where the machine gets all of this like information from us, but we put the human element into it. So definitely that's one thing. And I would also say that uh, most people probably here are like, uh, you know, adults, but I would say this is also kind of like dangerous uh, for young people in a sense that it's good for them to do their schoolwork. I, I think that's good. But always when there's one degree of more powerful tools with my with our computer, 
people tend to spend more time with their computer and that will generate all kinds of problems for them which I do recommend to prevent before they happen uh, like digital addictions and many many other things so it's also good to know those and uh, if your company has let's say 50 100 workers everybody's using ChatGPT there is a highly likelihood that some of them will get uh, digital addiction and you have to be aware of that as well yeah definitely and if you kind of if you can emulate empathy for some people it will feel like it's their friend and it's a machine yeah no that's already happening and in japan uh, some men are already getting married with uh, chat gpt of course and, in japan. Uh, and, and, and other tools because other ai companions are already being made they have some good things because then you can uh, help people who are for example lonely but again uh, if more people spend more time with AI agents than human beings, maybe not not the best result. Through that, uh, Michiel van der Streek asks, how will it, will it change the utility industry? Like how to use it on the supply chain of electricity and optimized prices? What's your thought on that? Uh, everything, like uh, I don't know, supply chain. Uh, uh, it depends on your daily operations. So again, uh, best person to answer, uh, answer that is ChatGPT or best tool, you would say you would enlist all of the things you do in your day-to-day -day life and work and you think where you have the most uh, repetition and you start from those and you say these are the uh, three activities that in our company we do and it's kind of like repetitive and say what creative solutions would you find for these and how we can uh, manage these. Uh, so supply chain has a lot of moving parts in every, all of these moving parts, uh, you can use them to get ideas, to generate content, uh, to give and do repetitive work. Uh, you can say to ChatGPT different scenarios that can go wrong and how you can prepare to each of those scenarios. Yesterday I was helping uh, one customer who, or one person who has like an online store so she created seven different scenarios for clients who are trying to buy something from the online store. And then ChatGPT created like a perfect email for seven different scenarios. One was that the shopping cart didn't work. One was that wanted different kind of product and whatever. So this was amazing because otherwise people would need to write this on their own. But now ChatGPT first was analyzing what customer scenarios are happening and then it wrote an email for each one of those. So uh, everything I would say, uh, and, and in every instance, you can always ask like ChatGPT, give me like, how can you help here and there? And, and so on. It's like your assistant that always uh, go with you. And uh, it can also like help you with many, many challenges you have in your work. Definitely. Um, I actually used it today to translate a document from Swedish to Norwegian, which Google Translate is not very good at, and, and ChatGPT was actually rather proficient. Um, we have a question from an anonymous user here, or audience member. You highlight that it's free, but I don't think this is a correct statement. If you want to adopt it for your specific business case, costs are far from free. Sure. But it's, you know, it's free. You can go and uh, you can start using the free version. And then if you want better uh, results, 
then you can use ChatGPT4 and pay 20, 20 bucks. Uh, yeah, I don't think 20 bucks is a big uh, amount of money. You can also pay or use the API. There's a lot of YouTube videos on how to use that. And that might be uh, cheaper uh, because API is uh, being built according to how much usage you give to it. And you get, I don't know how many credits in the beginning, maybe $100 or something. And it's not uh, not that much. But again, it's like, uh, I think it's great because it's the first tool that really uh, gives us all access to uh, these deep learning algorithms uh, that are really, really powerful. So even like, I would say, get all the uh, benefits from the free version. And then when you are ready, consider uh, changing to the other version. Okay. Um... Steven Rowerdink, um, I apologize for my pronunciation, it's horrible, I know. If everyone can use it, how can you still have a competitive advantage from its use? Will it become, will it become a commodity everyone just has to use? Yeah, well, right now, as I mentioned, uh, I would say maybe there are three kind of people. One is that they think, oh, it's there, it doesn't affect me. Other kind of uh, group of people is that they understand, yes, it's powerful, it will do something in my sector and in my field, but I don't start using it right now because I, I used it once and I wrote something like I write in Google and it, it was bad response. So that's like bad usage. And the third group is power users who are getting most of the value. So I would say right now, for example, in Finland, I would, I don't know, but I would say maybe 10% of business users are really using it the right way, as I mentioned writing comprehensive prompts that are like paragraphs or longer uh, most people are just like kind of like using it as a, as google or or maybe going to if you if using it as google is level one then they go to level 1.5 level two is where you give it really kind of like paragraphs and then when it gives the response you go you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and because it has memory and that's also by the way another big change from the how we are using search engines so yeah uh, i would just say that uh, right now there's high likelihood that your competitors are not using it uh, with all its potential but uh, i do recommend that you start using it and don't wait uh, until your competitors are using it and in addition then we have <laughs> other AI tools that we don't have to go now, but just to mention, there's one word that everybody can write down. Don't lose your good night's sleep with, because of it, but it's called AutoGPT. And this morning I was helping one company because this AutoGPT, the idea is that somebody somebody built, built it and shared it with GitHub. So now it's open source. Everybody can can use it and can create versions about it. And right now there are some interfaces because you have to be like a coder to use it, but some interfaces that are more or less good. And um, so this auto GPT, the idea here is that uh, let's say if you give like a, a goal or objectives, objective to ChatGPT, like write me a research paper of, I don't know, the, the latest lung cancer research. So this kind of thing, it cannot, 
do the research well. As we mentioned, it's not connected now. It, there's like different things. One, first, you have to search, then you have to analyze the research, and then you have to write. But now, based on one prompt, ChatGPT will will divide this, or, or the GPT, sorry. It will divide it into these different tasks, okay? And then it will start doing it one by one. And this is really amazing. So this is why people call this agent, like art, artificial intelligent agent, which is autonomous. You just give it one goal. And some people have been using it for many clever things on Twitter. But at the same time, I, again, I would say um, there's a lot of hype with this and don't get too worried or excited of it. Just focus on your business and think what I need ChatGPT to help me with this week or today and start with that and then you go uh, to the next level. Okay. Um, I have a question regarding sort of the, the, the ethical part of AI. Um, and it also kind of connects to to um, the comparison you had that, well, ChatGPT is not a, a search engine. But there, there are some discussions going going around that what what is your opinion on the fact that ChatGPT actually collects and presents data that it does not own on its own? Right. So this is this is uh, interesting ethical uh, analysis, and specifically this is happening in the other area of generative AI, which is creating images. And right now there's a big law case uh, against Stable Fusion, which is one of these projects that have done systems that generate any any image, and they were trained using Getty Image or, or iStock Photo, one of these big companies. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, for example, with images, I understand that that's a big thing because there's a lot of people who have been working all their life, like sharing, taking photos, sharing them, and now their work is being used to all of a sudden create images where they get zero money. So I don't know. Uh, it's a big ethical ethical problem, and um, yeah, when it comes to writing, uh, not that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see see it as as big problem uh, when it comes to uh, writing. Uh, I I wanted to add that some people say that ChatGPT doesn't give like sources and citations, but you just say to it at least the ChatGPT four. Uh, I if I need, I I say to it that search me the best examples of this and this and give me reliable sources and citations. So then it comes back and it says that this information I found here and this here. And that's really cool because then it will use its intelligence and not take the information from some weird forum or something, but it will get it from real reliable sources. And Oscar connects into Oscar Weber's question, how can we in the future separate AI-generated information from real? Is there a need for some digital authentic source marking? Yeah, um, there is, and there's a lot of um, solutions being built at this moment. There's both uh, these tools that are analyzing how much AI has been used in certain text. Many of them are not really good. For example, students know already that you can use ChatGPT to write text, but then you copy and paste it to other tools like Grammarly, change the wording and that already makes it look like it would be human <laughs> wording. So many of these tools don't work and that's why I don't want to mention it. But yeah, I think OpenAI is also 
working on some kind of tool where um, there would be kind of like a label that this has been generated by computer or something like this. Uh, when it comes to videos, this will be really difficult. And that's where we have a big problem because basically anyone can be impersonated and, and we can create video of anyone and with anyone's voice really soon. So, so that's one thing that we really need to need to see and uh, how that will be managed. Of course, and, and also given the, the quick rise of amount of users in, in ChatGPT gives OpenAI a tremendous power. So how can we prevent that? For example, let's say that they would be biased towards one or the other side politically. Yeah. Uh, and then they can actually affect ChatGPT to steer the answers in, in one direction or another. How could you manage bias in that setting? Yeah, no, that's a good point. In fact, uh, Elon Musk, who was actually one of the first ones in OpenAI, he was one of the founders, he left because he wanted to be a CEO, but some Altman and others didn't want him to be, and that's why he needed to leave. Now he has created a competitor, uh, and uh, I don't know if that's a good idea uh, because he's um, taking interesting decisions many times. But he is now creating one and because he says that now ChatGPT is, let's say, uh, in the US helping more uh, Biden rather than Trump, for example, and, and so on. But these are important questions like imagine, uh, luckily in Finland, this was not a big thing, but in in some other countries it is. So at the end, it's kind of like who has trained these systems, that's really powerful information. And also how, like who has decided how these tools are created. And that's why I think it's called Silo AI or something like this in Finland, who is uh, trying to create it like European language model and tool, which would make us more independent from the US tools. Okay. We're closing in on our, our end time here. Uh, it's really interesting, but let's have one last question um, from Jonas Aspman. How long do you think it will take until we may have ChatGPT to iterate questions in order to achieve a goal? Or is it so that it will shortcut based on the massive amount of data it can correlate? Uh, difficult question to understand. I don't understand what he means. Did you understand? No, I actually just picked it from, from the list. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but, but I would say to him, go to search uh, AutoGPT, because then that, that's doing more complicated work than uh, ChatGPT, and you will see how AutoGPT, search AutoGPT uh, interface, and, and, and you will see how it works. Okay, let's finish up with another question then. Where do you see the limits of AI or ChatGPT and where, where you can rely on correct and meaningful information to derive business critical decisions? Yeah, so like I said, uh, ChatGPT 4 at least now uh, is giving citations and sources if you ask for it. So ask uh, if you want like uh, some specific information. I, I used it yesterday to make analysis of the hotel industry in in Helsinki and the answers were amazing. Obviously, it was until 2021, 
but it was amazing. Few seconds, and it made amazing analysis, and it gave me the sources. I say, please give me the sources and citations on where you got this information. So that's that's the important thing. And um, yeah, and other than that, just uh, give it as much context without sharing sensible information of your company, and and you will be fine. But um, but that's the thing. Oh, limitations. Uh, understand that it's it's limited. Don't obviously don't copy and paste everything, but put your own intuition and your own critical thinking into it, because that's how you get the business best business results. Is this team of AI and uh, human being the same as in healthcare? The best doctors are using AI to make better decisions and 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 work better and more effectively. The same you would put. So understand it has all kinds of limitations of bias and information and so on and so forth. Well, if I'm allowed to be a bit ironic, critical thinking is the best thing we have in this time, isn't it? Most common thing. Um, yeah. To conclude this discussion, could you please leave us with some last words of wisdom, Lasse? Uh, Wisdom, again, uh, interesting. That's that's something we need more. But I would say that, uh, like I've said before, that AI will help us to do th things like better, cheaper, and faster. And until now, it was not possible. And the problem is that uh, ChatGPT seems really simple. It's just a website, so people don't understand that behind it, there's some of the most powerful AI algorithms that we have, like access that we can we can use. So therefore, I, I recommend that everybody will accept this new rea reality where we are, where our, I would say your future depends on how well you talk to computer. And when I say talk, right now, that means those prompts that you are writing. As I said, if they are really short, not detailed, not comprehensive, you don't get good business results. So therefore, you have to do better. And soon enough, you will be talking to interfaces, not anymore writing. So just understand that it's it's a question of your career and your company's success. So therefore, I recommend to embrace these, these uh, tools and be like an architect of future rather than victim of a future who is who is resisting and saying this is not for me and so on. And also understand that it can help in every sector, like even the less digitalized sectors in Finnish or Nordic business or whatever European business, it, it somehow has information on them and, and it can create tremendous results. So uh, I, I want to kind of like uh, invite everybody to this revolutionary AI journey. Well, thank you very much for that invitation. Um, it's been great pleasure to have a talk with you. So. Thank you very much for contributing to uh, to our audiences. Thank you. So that concludes today's session. So thanks a lot for today. It's been a pleasure and welcome back soon.